0: Your source for Big Ten talk, it's I'm
1: on Welcome to Off Tackle Empire, and it is Minnesota week. Oh you know, PJ Flex contract a little spendy, but Getting off to a pretty good start there. You know, I think it's
0: real interesting how they uh, how how they went to a bowl and got the axe
1: after losing to Illinois for some reason. Have you noticed also... I'm, I'm going to stop with the axe because I'm not really good at it. Uh, have you noticed also that P.J. Flack in the span of like a year has gone from being... Like, okay, so the, the torch of hype, of most hyped coach in the conference seems to be getting passed around really quickly these days, right? Because um, it, it was... First, there was like this sort of arm wrestling thing between Harbaugh and Franklin. They were the first two guys who did kind of the hype as a deliberate program pillar. Then Page kind of got it next, and then Frost has it now. But also Brom, despite not actually seeking it, or we having had it for three fanfare, days in
0: March one year. Did you? What with Beckman? No, people were very briefly hyped about Lovey for like a week. Who are people? <laughs> 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 deal of time just because it happened during a slow news cycle I think sure but my point is it didn't end up mattering
1: so it's 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 hype the way that it's hype if like Pete Buttigieg comes to town where it's like oh hey that guy's here okay what else is happening well, it was
0: it was a lot of like when he first came to the forefront where it's like oh
1: look at this guy
0: oh man this guy could be like a really big
1: okay well then was and then now he's running like seventh place so yeah okay I guess in that sense I'll, I'll allow that turn of phrase. Um, so anyway, Minnesota, as as we said, initially it was a... Kirk Ferencz Joe Biden? Oh, it kind of does, doesn't it? Shit. He's going to win the Big Ten West this year. And then get his ass kicked by Ohio State. That's exactly how this is going to... Fuck, we just correctly predicted the Big Ten. We might as well go and place the bets. We're going to make some money off of this at least.
0: 100%. And the other thing is... Bummer, man. Like, Kirk Ferencz will do this while all of the Iowa fans are like, Kirk Ferentz is not equipped for this at all, but I hope that like all of the other, I hope that all the other coaches like line up behind him somehow.
1: Yeah, well, that's, so <laughs> so Minnesota's last season was kind of a weird one, right? Uh, I don't want Iowa to win, but I think they've got the
0: best chance out of anyone to beat Ohio State now. That's not they're true certainly at all. not it's the best not team. They're nowhere true. near the best team, but I think they've got the best chance to beat Ohio State because I think some somewhere between their conference play and the Big Ten championship game, they're gonna pick up all of these players that we haven't ever heard from yet.
1: Yeah, if they all the, so what will happen is between the between the end of the regular season and the conference championship game, Jonathan Taylor will come and put on a Hawkeye jersey. Um, so will like Adrian Martinez and then a whole bunch of Ohio State players too. Yeah. We'll just decide to play for Iowa. So we we'll decide to transfer and be immediately eligible uh, cuz that's why we're nominating Iowa basically is to flip some of Ohio State. It's State's not that players. we
0: think that Iowa can actually win like cuz Iowa should be the Big 10 champion. Exactly. We don't yeah. think that. We don't think they're the best team. It's just that like we think that somehow a whole bunch of weird shit we can't explain is going to happen that
1: will allow Iowa to beat Ohio State in the title. Just like Northwestern did last year. So, anyway. God, I'm bummed out now. Anyway, um, right. Minnesota. So, as I was saying, you know, last year was kind of an interesting. I mean, what do you make of it? They start 3 0 against a pretty underwhelming non conference schedule, drop four in a row after that, and then alternate wins and losses once they get a little bit healthier and once the offense starts clicking a little bit. And as I'm sure, I get the sense that most Minnesota fans are still pretty well on board. Um, to the extent they ever were. I mean, I know there's grumpy media in the Twin Cities that have never bought into Fleck, and I get that. He's got the used car salesman vibe, does he not? Um, But ending, I mean, if you just want to look at kind of where they ended last year, beating Wisconsin on the road for the first time in, like, 55 years and an impressive win in a bowl game, albeit in Paul Johnson's last game and against a Georgia Tech team that's very easy to beat in bowl games once you have time to game plan for them, still about as good of a two game ending as they could have hoped for. So, well, look, they lost six conference games.
0: Right. They only won 3, but those but two of those 3 were against I mean, two of those 3 were by substantial margins and they were both against bowl teams. The one was against Purdue, a fairly surprising result, really. Yeah. Um and then at Wisconsin, I mean, I mean, if at this point especially having not beaten them for damn near a decade and a half, if, yeah. if you'd ask Minnesota fans if they'd be happy coming into that game winless and coming out with a 37-15 victory, they would take sure. it. In they fa- would
1: In it. fact, I think they'd probably want that even more. You, you, it would be you even know, funnier if you're yeah. otherwise winless and then you punch your opponent in the face. You know, it's, it's, it's a cliche that you
0: say, oh, well, Michigan fans would be happy being winless as long as they beat Ohio State. No, they wouldn't. But I really think that Minnesota fans... Wouldn't give a shit about anything. Everything else is immaterial as long as they broke that streak against Wisconsin. That is such a huge deal. That single-handedly legitimized P.J. Fleck, in my opinion.
1: I don't know about that. This isn't the same Wisconsin that's been dominating this matchup. When I say legitimized, I don't mean... Oh, you mean in the eyes of the fans, not necessarily, like, actually. (laughs) Well, when I say legitimized, I mean,
0: like, okay, he's not just going to crash and burn immediately... This sure. is going to be a, a thing. Well, I didn't think he was... I never I never thought,
1: but like... I thought the more likely result, and I still think this is the most likely result, is that he kind of settles into a mediocrity. He might be able to bump it a bit higher than that, but as we keep saying, I think the neighborhood's gotten tougher. Um,
0: but like, he's going to be the coach there for a hot second as long as he chooses to be. Oh, yeah. That's I don't kind of what he, I meant by that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that like, okay, P.J. Fleck has beaten Wisconsin, beaten them down. They're not, the gonna, they're not going to kick out. your coach now. They're not going to you know kick what I out. Mean? If you, you haven't gotten experience. on board, yeah,
1: yeah. time to get there. <laughs> yeah, and it, again, not like we follow Twin Cities media here, but I get the impression that there's probably holdouts. Um,
0: there may be, but that probably did more than absolutely anything else that he's done to, of course, to bring holdouts. Of course, of course.
1: Well, there's not exactly a whole lot of other accomplishments well, What else here, right? Yeah, do? so we'll, can, we'll keep with kind of the 10,000 foot figure for a minute here so this is not proceeding in the same way it did at Western Michigan in one important sense which is the recruiting um, at Western Michigan the way that he really ended up running the MAC was by was by lapping the field in talent acquisition now when you're in the same pool as Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan that's impossible uh, because you, you basically have oh, to recruit and if you could do that You are not long for Minnesota. Yeah, sorry guys, but he'd be at, I mean, he'd be at Texas, or USC, or, you know, name or Goliath. Um, So it's just as well that he can't do it, really. Um, But because he's not recruiting the same way, he's basically going to have to do talent development at a level that I don't know we've seen evidence he's capable of. I mean, sure, his teams at Western got progressively better, but their talent increased so sharply that of course of course they got better he creamed
0: that old cubit roster very heavily over the course of one year
1: and he did the same to this roster which is you know probably part of the reason why now he's gonna have tremendous roster continuity because he kicked so many guys out and brought in so many of his guys that and he redshirted a lot of guys yes which is actually his program pattern kind of looks like Mark D'Antonio's yeah um and if that's the case, I got good news for Minnesota fans. You're about to have a run that you're gonna like. I don't know if I quite believe he's gonna get over that hump with how crowded the Big Ten West is this year. And then the other disturbing thing is you've got—I mean, when Antonio was on the way up, there, you know, Michigan was lost in the woods, and Jim Tressel's time at Ohio State was wrapping up. There was no, and then Penn State fell into a black hole. So. You didn't have a guy like Jeff Brom. You didn't have a guy Michigan like Michigan State. Kind of came up
0: in in a weird power vacuum. At a
1: convenient time, absolutely. Yeah,
0: because because yeah, it was really just Ohio State that they had to contend with outside of the one season. Boo hoo, Ohio State fans! I'm so sad for you. You won. You lost seven games one time. Um, but you know the other thing is Flex been recruiting at a decent level,
1: right? But (laughs) I mean, remember, recruiting level is is a relative thing. Um, Yeah, but but I mean, but at a
0: competitive Big Ten level. When I say competitive, I don't mean competitive for the cut, but like enough to field a competitive Big Ten team. Sure.
1: Tenth in the conference though does not exactly inspire. And again, this is all we need to make clear is he is never going to have the edge at Minnesota that he did at Western. So his in-game coaching is going to be a lot more important, and that's kind of been a mixed bag. Yeah. It's gotten better since he fired Rob Bob Smith last year, after which point the defense got substantially better. But, like, when I
0: talk about recruiting, it's hard to see how Fleck improves much from where he's going right now, especially with the reports coming out about how he handles recruits and commitments. Yeah. Because yeah. that's kind of one of those things that, yeah, you can probably get away with in the MAC. You can probably get away with when you're recruiting against the likes of Illinois and, you know, the lower half of the Power Five conferences. But you're not going to stop somebody from visiting Ohio State like that.
1: Right. They'll tell you to take a hike. You know, somebody with a good
0: offer list is not going to be like, oh, oh, yes, yes, I will bend the knee to you, Lord Fleck, and not even bother visiting all of these, you know, you know what I mean? So you're going to so you're not going to get guys with those big offer lists to, you know, to, to commit to you to that level. And, I mean, it's... I don't know. We can talk a lot about P.J. Fleck and commitment without even mentioning the marriage thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Or that time that he was a coach for one day?
1: Right. And so to, to transition it kind of back to what we expect to see from the field, again, the good news, because of the way he's handled his roster construction the last couple of years, is this is the year where he's got guys who played the year before. Ever. Like, he's got... <laughs> I think something like 90% of his offensive production returning, which um, can work, can be, a, is usually a great thing. And then you see how Michigan State's offense worked with that kind of returning production last year. And sad. So it's probably going to work out better for Minnesota. He's got more capable offensive assistance than Antonio does. There's really no reason for the offense not to be good. He's got to settle on a quarterback. I mean, Onyxedad and Morgan They had better results with the latter, but not so dramatically so that it would be out of the question for them to go with Anikstad instead. Um, I think Morgan's going to be the guy. Probably. I mean, he's more of a dual threat, so it's another dimension. Again, his efficiency was higher, not so astronomically so that it's impossible for Anikstad to play. Um, And then around him, they've got a pretty good group of guys. Uh, They still have Johnson and Bateman out wide. They'll still have Ibrahim and Smith in their running game, even with Shannon Brooks kind of not being available. Um, So there's plenty to like here. And four out of five stars on the offensive line are back, too. So the offense is pretty much intact. It was on a little bit of an upward trajectory. I think you've got to be optimistic about this effective, kind of balanced approach they've taken, definitely preferring the run but with enough of a passing threat to make it viable and balanced. Defense is going to be... Interesting as well. They've still got some obvious playmakers. I mean, having Carter Coughlin as a building block is a great luxury to have. I don't think they will really miss Blake Cashman, who made kind of an interesting decision to go pro, in my view. Um, they do have a couple other linebackers in Martin and Barber who are pretty good. And, of course, get Antoine Winfield.
0: Back it, would in be coo- it would
1: be cool if we could see him play a whole season. He's, a, he's one of those players where, even if you don't support that team, you want to be able to watch him play because of the plays that he makes
0: yeah um, but it's <laughs> you always hope for the best in those situations because nobody wants you know you all, you also want to see I mean you want to see the big Ten well represented in the pros I don't necessarily subscribe to I want to see other big Ten teams succeed no. but at, but it's nice to see a lot of big Ten players in the pros because you know they so your credibility as a pro-league. Yeah. Anyway, P.J. Fleck, uh, of course, under the Greg Shiano coaching tree, which also produced Kyle Flood, Daryl Hazel, and Bill Cubitt. Um, Fertile is the ground.
1: Bountiful is the harvest. Indeed, indeed. I bought a bunch of fucking crab apples. <laughs> I never would have guessed, first of all, that all those guys actually came from Schiano. I I do always forget that he actually did have a successful run. I just, all I think of now is the guy who wasted incredible talent at Ohio State and then caused a riot amongst Tennessee fans. <laughs> really, you don't think of the guy that
0: rushed the, the uh, victory formation in the NFL?
1: I don't pay attention to the NFL. I know that that happened, but also... Because that's where P.J. Flex served. Sure, but again, he, he was also... In Tampa Bay. I so I think that living in Florida does things to you sometimes. Um, just just a thought. I don't know. And Shiano was was Shiano replaced with Lovey Smith. I thought it was Raheem Moore. Or Morris. Morris, yeah. R- wait, Raheem Moore was the Moore guy. Was the safety Yes. Morris was the coach. Uh, I don't know. I this is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Feels we like don't know Jim, our own coach. It feels history. like
0: Jim Caldwell coached there in spirit at some point. Probably. <laughs> God, let's get Jim Caldwell at Illinois.
1: I'm not even going to respond
0: Wait a that, second. But... Jim Caldwell coached at Wake Forest. Yeah, if a long time ago. My
1: memory serves me correctly, and he right. wasn't very good. No. No, I think he won, like, single-digit games in, like, four or five seasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with winning single-digit games in three seasons. I mean, altogether. like well, he successful coaches do it all the time. And win nine games in three years.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so... Anyway, we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the schedule is pretty easy. They open with South Dakota State. Tampa Bay should be able to manage that. Here's Road the game. thing about South
0: Dakota State <laughs> is that, uh, you know, Minnesota and the teams out there play South Dakota State fairly often. I know the Illinois has played them very often. You know who I don't believe has played them is Maryland. And I think it's because South Dakota State keeps ducking Maryland <laughs> They're because they're worried about... Yeah, you're scared of... Oh, you hares are scared of racing that tortoise. Yeah. Play Maryland, you cowards. We need to see South Dakota State
1: against Maryland. Yeah, at least it would give like the ESPN, eight, the Ocho crew that covers it, something to talk about during the game. Because, <laughs> you know, South Dakota State ain't North Dakota State.
0: Well, I mean... No, that crew that covers that game is definitely going to talk about who is currently projected in the college football playoff the entire time,
1: because that's just kind of the nature of coverage now. Yeah. So, that mercifully, I mean, there really is still a place for networks like the BTN, so I just don't have to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, you say that like Ohio State doesn't exist. I think there's plenty of, there's plenty of league games you can get through where they don't talk a whole lot about the national picture I mean for one thing I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that all the BTN crews know what's going on outside the conference which is fine I mean that's kind of the way we like it isn't it um, so wait anyway, the schedule three non-conference games to open the season South Dakota State at Fresno State ten thirty p.m. start time on the West Coast no problem there I'm sure and then home game against Georgia Southern before the bye um, this should be a three and If you drop that game against Fresno State, I would not be surprised nor especially concerned. It's not a; they're not where they were, you know, eight ten years ago when they were. You one know, of the better. you say that, but
0: they're good. They're good. Jeff Tedford rebuilt them overnight. They won twelve games last year. Yeah, I get that. Uh, they won. Actually, Jeff Tedford thus far. Well, you remember uh, Kalen DeBoer, the new Indiana head coach, or not head coach, offensive coordinator. Um he came over from Fresno State in in Jeff Tedford's Renaissance so um hmm. the Jeff Tedford Fresno State Bulldogs in their second run have been formidable thus far. He is all right well, in his second stint 22 and six, 14 and two in conference. Right. Fresno State is.
1: Not to be taken lightly. <laughs> okay, have fun they, with that road trip, Minnesota. <laughs> they, they finished ranked 18th
0: in the AP poll. I thought they
1: had huge turnover from last year, though. May very well have. Well, anyway, yeah. Like I said, you know, 10:30 start on the West Coast. I'm, I'm sure nothing can go wrong there. Um, and then they've got the bye game before proceeding into conference play, starting at Purdue, then Illinois and Nebraska at home. Crossovers. You've got Rutgers on the road, Penn State at home. Um, you know, that's doable, right? Oh, and Maryland. Sorry, I forgot Maryland. So Rutgers at Rutgers, Maryland at home, Penn State. That's, again, as is the case with Purdue, you've got one of the lighter crossover schedules here. Yes, road game at Iowa. Yes, road game at Northwestern. But you get Wisconsin at home. You get Nebraska at home. You get Maryland, Rutgers. Really,
0: if you switch, you get switch out Penn State with Indiana. That's the only way you could have an easier schedule.
1: Yeah, and you do have Penn State at home, so that's a much easier team to play without a hundred thousand fans and a whiteout. Um, this is this is a favorable schedule as well. I wonder if we're gonna somehow end up saying this. Like, is anybody from the West actually playing Ohio State this year? Somebody has to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm being facetious, but.
0: Well, you remember when they did that parody-based scheduling thing that made us <laughs> Rutgers' eternal blood rival? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably was that a the joke? The I'm point. sorry. I, I, no, I that actually there was... is a thing that happened. I
1: know. I thought there was a punchline or something. I was like, yeah, that did happen. Okay. Well, but I'm just saying, like, Minnesota
0: <laughs> would not have necessarily commanded heavyweight matchups when they did that.
1: No, although I think that's how Michigan State ended up playing Northwestern, who we lose to every year. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe they should drop a weight class.
1: Or just making Northwestern stop wearing bags on their feet. Bunch of nerds. Anyway. <laughs> um, so sure, I mean, Minnesota's one of these teams in the West that we don't know what to make of in conference play, right? You feel like giving them a share
0: of a shot at the title, but I feel like...
1: This is like a Royal Rumble at this point, of
0: basically. The, <laughs> of the six, I mean... Of the six non-Illinois teams that we're actually talking about, I would say Minnesota is the longest shot.
1: I'd probably agree with that. I'd st- I mean, I'm not nearly as high in Nebraska as you are. I think, <laughs> I think it's going to be the three teams that were there last year, you know, um, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, and I think Purdue is going to be the fourth. Um, I just don't think there's quite enough space for everyone. And I think it's one year too soon for Nebraska. I could be wrong about that because there definitely was a firm. I mean, their trajectory at the end of last season was a lot sharper upward than anybody else in the conference, really. Um, I just wonder if they might be one more season away. I think, you know, expecting a division title in year two in a crowded field like this is probably a bit much. That's all I'm saying. Um, But I mean, mean, it's it's
0: only because I don't know who, you know, there isn't what you'd call a really established powerhouse. No, like I said, what Big Ten West team should start the season ranked? Any of them? I still think
1: Wisconsin should.
0: I mean, but that's mostly because of what they've done prior to
1: last year. Kind of, yeah. Not I mean, anything to do with what happened last year. No, and I think I think Iowa probably should too. I'll be at like you know twenty four.
0: I'd um, say that Iowa and Northwestern should be also receiving votes. That's what I would say. They should, be, they should lead also receiving
1: votes, maybe yeah. 25. Yeah, I could, I could say that. And no one else should be in the top 25. Right, and I guess we'll kind of see how this plays out. Like, I, we really have no idea what's going to happen in the Big Ten West. It's going to be a theme that you notice when we talk about teams in the West. For, I was going to say, It's really
0: ones. exciting times for anybody in the Big Ten West that doesn't root for my team.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, fortunately, we're almost done. We still have to talk about three more teams in this division. So, um, Boy, oh boy. I feel like we've been talking about the Big Ten West for, like, 20 years now.
0: Your source for Big Ten talk, gets Off Tackle Empire! It's a nice... It's a nice day. <laughs> I the fucking hate talking about the Big Ten West because it's like, dude, we, everybody's invited to this fucking party!
1: Not you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, God. No, there really is no chance that this goes anywhere else, uh, any other way than tits up.
1: What for Illinois? you mean, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I. Well, here's the thing. I
0: expect them to like. The odds of them losing to UConn are much higher than
1: the odds of them winning three conference games.